episode five of Strange Brow Radio. I am your host yet again, Tobe Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. What a fantastic day in the neighborhood. I've got on my Mr. Rogers gear here for this incredible broadcast where you're going to hear an interview with guest Christopher Garitano. I'll tell you more about who he is in a moment, but this show wouldn't be the show it is without all the help from our only sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. Go to Etsy, check out the spirit tools, drums, rattles, smudge sticks, housed and made, shaman inspired in the PNW up in Washington State in the Olympic Wilderness. That's Feral by Aaron. Rate, review, take a look at the Etsy shop. Aaron is E-R-Y-N, Feral by Aaron. All right, our guest today, Christopher Garitano, director, producer, and filmmaker, investigator of the Montauk Chronicles. If you don't know what that is, well, maybe you've heard of Plum Island. Maybe you've heard of Mind Control, MK Ultra. All those things, very important to learn about. Actual programs that Christopher Garitano is going to tell you more about. Don't move a muscle, we'll be right back. Well, before we get started with the show, I wanted to do a little bit of house cleaning as it pertains to some of the events that we have coming up. These would be ticketed events. Generally, we offer a free show both here and at the second Saturday at the Axe and Fiddle in Cottage Grove, Oregon. But we do have some ticketed events, so I wanted to mention those just in case anybody out there in Podland was interested in going. First off, we'll go with July, July 12th and 13th. We do have an event coming up. It is our Secrets of the Sasquatch event, and it'll be a a two-day event, or if you want, just a one-day conference for you, and that would be the 13th. The two-day one would be the 12th and the 13th. And tickets are on sale right now. We just missed our Valentine's special that we had. But we'll have Ron Moorhead, Tom Powell, Joe Hauser, uh, myself, Carrie Campbell, Kirk Sigurdsson, and probably some surprise guests that show up. And uh, this is going to be an off-the-beaten-path conversation, as always, for the discussion, moving the discussion forward in my opinion on what's going on with Sasquatch and maybe expose some of the secrets as it pertains to what these fine men and women know and so you can check that out at strangebrow.com b-r-a-u.com then on August 9th and 10th we have a two-day course as well there's a course that you can take with William Becker from Oregon City regarding your inner psychic that would be on august 9th and that will be held at the neighboring bookstore right next to the axe and fiddle concert you can go to paranormal insights plural sites s at the end that's william becker's site and buy tickets directly through him or you can find the link through the ticket events at strangebrow.com and they're pretty inexpensive i think they're 25 dollars for a couple hours on the evening of the ninth and then You can come to the conference afterwards for free. That would be August 10th. And then we have in August a second one. Because of Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, I thought it would be imperative that if you hadn't seen the paranormal and you want to, 
you want to experience it, then I'd like you to come to Eseti Ranch with us. We're going to head out to a ranch. And if you don't know what Eseti is, uh, you can look up the acronym. It's slipping my mind right now. But in short, they are uh, contacting the UFOs below and above Mount Adams. And so if you haven't seen a spaceship and you want to see a spaceship and uh, you want to go to an awesome place and hang out with incredible people and hear incredible stories, I'll be offering tickets up for those in March. That would be the E-SETI trip on Labor Day weekend. It'll probably be a three-day weekend, and I will explain more about that, probably do a pod on that as, as well. So that's the house cleaning. I'll come back to those periodically and mention them. Today's guest, again, is Christopher Garitano, and he is the director, he is the investigative filmmaker of the Montauk Chronicles, and if you don't know the Montauk Chronicles are, well, maybe you've seen Stranger Things. It's the real-life story told sometime before uh, regarding government experiments on the public without their knowledge, including mind control, things like MKUltra. You can look up more about the Montauk Chronicles at themontaukchronicles.com. But I'll let Christopher Garitano tell you exactly what is going on out there on the East Coast. Some shady stuff I give to you, Christopher Garitano. Christopher Garitano is responsible for the Montauk Chronicles. He's also the star of the History Channel's The Dark Files. He's been investigating uh, the Montauk area and Plum Island, an area also known as Camp Hero, which has a lot of connective tissue as far as child abductions, as far as MKUltra, time travel, um, aliens. And the list goes on and on. Without further ado, all the way from the East Coast, Christopher Garitano. Hey, everybody. Wow, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, Christopher, you have... And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fearless vampire killer, too. I have my initials scratching. <laughs> all right, awesome. Awesome, great. Well, you're in the perfect environment there. We're glad we have a, a secure connection with you. Christopher, if you'll tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got interested and started with this, because it's, uh, it, you really are the first person that dug into the phenomena of Plum Island and the Montauk area. So uh, tell us how this started for you. Well, it really started with my, my obsession with uh, the paranormal as a kid, and I started to build a, um, a library, which has been building. I'm 42 this summer, so I have all these books that I've been collecting since I was a kid. And uh, simultaneously, as a child, I was I wanted to be a movie maker, so I've never stopped. And um, so I'm a filmmaker, and that's how I got into the Montauk uh, project because I wanted to uh, I wanted to do something on the paranormal. I heard a few things about these at the time. It was 06, and I heard about these elderly gentlemen, uh, Alfred Bielek and Preston Nichols. And I, you know, people were making suggestions on how to make my film, and I really didn't care about that. I wanted to start fresh. And the only way to start fresh was to go and talk to these guys. I, that, that's what was fascinating to me. There were two elderly gentlemen telling a story about a secret uh, Air Force Base that we didn't really have proof of that they both worked at. 
And underneath that base, uh, it just so happened to be this kind of nucleus of all paranormal happenings between 1971 and 1983. And that also included a government mind control program, not unlike MKUltra or, or the Holmesburg prison experiments, which were both proven to be true. So I, I started there in 06. I went to go meet with a gentleman named Alfred Bielek, who had a lot of claims. And I sat with him in Fort Myers, Florida for two days. And I just wanted to hear his story. And I wanted to deliver that story to the audience. And I followed and went over to a gentleman named Preston Nichols, who is just the epitome of the mad scientist in the flesh. And I went up state New York to speak with him. And that's where it began. And it, I had no idea it was going to require uh, 12 plus years of my life. And I was going to be obsessed with the situation to the point where now, um, now I've, I've made a television special that was a follow-up to my movie. Uh, I, I have a, a fictional, uh, my take on it, a fictional version that's somewhat based on it coming out uh, soon. And um, I feel like we made progress in the investigation more so than anybody ever had. We actually found some some evidence to prove that See, it's really important because these two gentlemen, they, they have very tall claims, everything from interstellar travel, time travel, every extraterrestrial that you could possibly imagine from every possible galaxy, all visiting Montauk, uh, to uh, monsters, to goat, everything you could think of happening underneath that base. And I needed to start somewhere tangible uh, just because I'm a civilian, I'm not like a professional journalist. I'm I'm a filmmaker, and I'm a guy who was interested in the subject, and that's all I had to start with. So I have uh, I can't walk around and say I'm a UFO expert. I don't think anybody is, unless you've been on a ship and you've analyzed every part and you you're able to reverse engineer it. So we start fresh, and we start with stories. And so what I can get from those stories that, that was tangible for me and what I dwelled on mostly, what I focused on, was the mind control aspect, which we eventually, uh, with, the, with the TV special, The Dark Files, we ended up bringing geophysicists to the, to the Air Force Base, and we were able to prove that there was an enormous man-made structure underneath the ground, and that no one ever uh, was able to prove that before that. So... I think we made a lot of progress in the, in that, the 12 that years. from the uh, rogue teenagers that went down there with just their video camcorder and just were their doggedness to figure out what was going no, on. No, actually. No. no, no, no. We brought geophysicists to the location uh, live on the, you know, on actual, actual on location. We actually brought these. They were a company called GeoView out of Florida. Um, and they, uh, you know, usually geological survey, but in this case, they were using something called electric resistivity imagery, which are basically these uh, electrodes stuck in the ground, and they uh, were able to see a vertical slice that was about 50 feet down, which uh, analyzed elements of iron ore, rebar, which was man-made, reinforced concrete structures that were underneath the ground. They were enormous. They weren't supposed to be there. The video that you're talking about is another huge element to this is that we were able to have in our possession video of what was dubbed the acid house, whereas the, the structure is no longer there, by the way. It's just a bunch of picnic tables and, and um, uh, there's really nothing. There's no structure there whatsoever. It's just a camping ground area. But what was there was this house 
and every single room was professionally painted and decorated a different pattern. And each of these patterns were deliberate. It wasn't done by a bunch of kids. And so there wasn't supposed to be any kind of uh, drug experiments at that place. And so these two elements together, the, the, the result of the electric resistivity imagery and the acid house proves that, I feel, proves that there was something happening there. And if we could prove that, then I would say that opens up the door for uh, the time travel experiments and the extraterrestrial reverse engineering and everything else. But I say we start with something that is, is, is most tangible, which is the mind control aspect of it. And we've been able to prove that that was happening in other areas around the same time. So I'm very open to all of the other stuff, but I just feel like the powers that be would want us to dwell on the more fantastic elements uh, yeah. and, and ignore the things that we can prove. So I just find these, these, these more tangible aspects a link to getting to the other stuff. What are the claims, Christopher, as far as mind control? We, we think of Manchurian candidates, we think about you know, the, the born identity and different types of you know, programs throughout the government to control one's mind here. Explain how missing children and mind control go hand in hand to an audience that may not necessarily know. Well, if you um, do a little research on some of the other government, covert government programs like MKUltra or the Holmesburg prison experiments, the human subjects were expendables. So in, in the case of Holmesburg prison, they were lying. It was under false pretenses always. It's almost like the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. They were telling these gentlemen they were gonna give them free medical care and they were injecting them with syphilis and covertly monitoring them over a series of years. In the case of Holmesburg Prison, they would give them 10 bucks and say, hey, we're testing this bubble bath thing. It's Johnson & Johnson, and we just want to see how it affects your skin. Fine. What right. they were really doing was taking some of these gentlemen and injecting, injecting them with heavy hallucinogens and doing mind control experiments. What those mind control experiments were for was everything from creating uh, uh, Manchurian-type assassins where there would be a trigger mechanism. So the, it would be deep in the subconscious, uh, whatever suggestion would be there. So for instance, if they wanted to trigger somebody to assassinate someone, that's what they were using them for. And they wanted to see if they could also improve interrogation techniques. So as opposed to torturing, they would put them through this um, really brutal series of, uh, well, even in the mind control experiments, they were beating them but they would put them through this brutal drug experiment that would open up their minds and see if they could get information out of them. I think it was a variety of things. And also, according to Alfred Bulick and Preston Nichols, it was heightened psychic abilities. For anybody that doubts that, mind you, um, the Stargate program of the CIA, which is a remote viewing program, is a very real thing. So it's funny how you know, we're suggested to have psychic abilities and readings and seances and all that stuff is all for entertainment purposes only, but the government invents, I'm sorry, invests quite a bit of money into researching this stuff and, and it's been quite effective. Right. And that's, that's the big joke on us. You know, we're, we're told to, you know, keep this uh, as, a, as entertainment. I was explaining to the audience of, um, the funneling of money, $22 million from Harry Reid to Skinwalker Ranch, it just come out in the last 30 days. This is going towards time travel, portals, Bigfoot activity. So what you're talking about right now isn't so outrageous. It just, it sounds so incredible to the, to the crowd that works nine to five and just, you know, is thinking about 
things that they can touch and feel. As far as the things that you've been able to touch and feel that sound incredible, what have you actually been able to experience yourself via Bielek and Nichols? Because I know they're both extremely way out there. I mean, some of their theories of time travel and abduction scenario and, uh, you know, going through portals and whatnot. What have you actually been able to experience yourself that is incredible to those degrees or anything? A few things in there. In, okay. In the case of Preston Nichols and, and Al Bielek, you know, I'm still on the fence of whether or not they were all even there. And, and, and this is an organic thing, just like any mystery. There could be several people who say they were part of something and were never there, but that doesn't mean that the subject is false. It just means sometimes people, it's like people coming back from, or weren't even in the Vietnam War, were writing books about their experiences and were never even there. They never fought. You know, it, it, it's happened. People wrote articles and essays and say there were vets and, and impersonated certain people throughout history and in this case it could be that it could be guys looking for attention and they were at these secret meetings or these these little uh, you know ufo abduction meetings throughout the 80s and in, in, in apartments throughout new york city and suburbs surrounding and just wanted to role play a little bit that was always a possibility okay and i've i've always kept that open i've always but there's something about preston nichols that um I feel that maybe he was there in some capacity, perhaps not the capacity that he says, but there was one day where I was interviewing him in his home and uh, he was watching me and he was looking and he waited till he knew the camera was off. He knew the lens cap was on the lens. And then he completely shifted his uh, demeanor and even his voice inflection changed. And he's like, you know, Christopher, there's just some things I can't tell you on camera. And I was like, is this a different guy? Because usually he's really wacky and crazy and all over the place. And he just kind of straightened up for a second. And I, that's from, you know, from me to you, that's the truth. And I, know, I don't really talk about that too much, but that's what happened. So uh, I'm just powers of observation. You know, things can be changed in documents. Uh, things can be altered. So when everyone says, well, we need documented evidence. Yeah, if you have video of something, if you have pictures, they can be altered too. But credible witnesses are just as important as tangible evidence, in my opinion. And so throughout this time, I've I spoke to other people. A guy named, uh, he's using an alias, but his name is James Bruce. And um, there's something about people who've gone through an enormous amount of trauma, you know, even people who are in prison, there's, they, they have a certain way about them. You could see the trauma, you could feel it. Uh, you know, and I'm talking about like heavy prison situations. In this case, James said he was one of the Montauk boys, whereas for many years he was given large amount of drugs. He was beaten. He was tortured. His his way reflects that kind of trauma in life. You know, you you learn to see things in people when you're around somebody. You can kind of tell they weren't they didn't really see much or they didn't really experience much. Uh, after a little while speaking to them. In James' case, I feel like he did go through those things and that somebody who was a victim of those drug experiments and, and those heavy, brutal mind control experiments will be erratic. And that seems to be consistent throughout the other people I've met over the years, not just these guys who wrote this book and were selling a book. Also, the story in the book is a little too tidy for me. You know, it seems like 
I mean, I'm a big fan of science fiction over the years. I could see them cherry picking from the outer limits and from the twilight zone and right. from a bunch of other science fiction, even Star Trek, you know, like he even made Star Trek references when he was telling me about things he saw down at the base. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, and again, I, it, it's, it's an organic thing. I can sit and doubt these guys and at the same time believe very much that the Montauk project happened to some capacity for sure. And I do. So, Have you ever been approached by somebody in the government acknowledging it privately that you can't talk about? Have you ever been sworn to secrecy, Christopher? Well, I wouldn't tell you if I, if I, I was. I, don't think I'd be I have to ask, though, right? I know. And just now the video froze. We know they're interacting with us. But um, no, those are some of the questions that you just have to ask. But and get out. I would be, I, I, I'll have to, t I'll tell you this. I would be very careful about messing with gangsters. <laughs> I mean, the, the people that are running the show, if, if this is true, right. they're pretty bad people. They right. kidnap people, beat them, kill them by the thousands. I'm not going to mess with those people. That's not a courageous, right. courageous thing to go and mess with them. What it is, is I think the smart thing to do, and what I'm trying to do as a filmmaker, is allow you to see what I saw. Right. And just elevate your consciousness and elevate your mind a little bit with what I'm seeing. These things are possible. And if you say, oh, well, if your first reaction is there's no way that could have happened, well, then I'm going to put Holmesburg Prison in front of you. And then I'm going to put MK Ultra in front of you because they're true. And do your research. Because if that happens somewhere else, then, you know, it's very likely that it was happening in other places. And certainly it was. If you explain what so, happened in Holmesburg Prison because a lot, of, a lot sure. of people have heard about that. Well, I'd like to, for anybody that doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, let me give you a little background on the Montauk Project, and then I'll tell you about the other stuff. So the Montauk Project, there are several gentlemen in the 90s that came out with a book uh, called The Montauk Project Experiments in Time, mainly Preston Nichols and Alfred Bielek were participants. And they said between 1971 and 1983, there was a covert experiment happening underneath what they call the Camp Hero Air Force Station, which does exist. And that's on the very furthest, furthest eastern tip of Long Island, New York. And it's kind of remote. Uh, and so there's a lighthouse out there. It's Montauk Point. It's right on the Atlantic Ocean. And they say between that time period, there were a series of experiments happening in a facility underneath the ground. Because there's a topside facility that we know about. It's the Camp Hero Air Force Station. But underneath the ground, they say there was a base unbeknownst to a lot of people that worked above the ground. And they traveled from a place called Brookhaven National Labs, which is further west. It does exist. It's a place that's in operation right now. So they say they would check into work at Brookhaven and there would be an underground train that would go from Brookhaven Labs to the underground base underneath Camp Hero. And in that base, they say they witnessed first a series of mind control experiments where mainly runaway boys at the time were kidnapped and brought there to be brainwashed and then ultimately mind controlled as experimental super soldiers uh, or Manchurian candidate assassins or heighten their psychic abilities for warfare purposes like remote viewing and stuff like that. The other level of it was that they say all of the people underneath Camp Hero in that facility uh, were in direct communication with extraterrestrial, intelligent extraterrestrial beings who were uh, offering us uh, technology to reverse engineer in exchange for um, 
subjects. They were giving them some of the kids they were bringing down for their own experimentation and I guess information of things we were doing. But this is what they said they were doing. And there was a variety of aliens down there. There were time travel experiments, interstellar uh, uh, time travel derived from alien technology, interstellar um, travel period from one place to another, biorhythmic traveling where basically they said they would lock in from one point to another, instantaneously zapping them like, you know, Scotty beaming them up to another location anywhere in the universe. And uh, this is what they said happened down there. What I, what I was able to find out going back to Holmesburg prison was along my journey making the movie Montauk Chronos uh, was that a lot of this was true. The mind control experiment aspects are very true. There were two things, namely, that um, you can look up, one of which is the Holmesburg prison experiments. Holmesburg prison uh, is in uh, Pennsylvania, and it was a place where the, a lot of the prisoners uh, were coaxed to cosmetic experiments, but those were false pretenses because a man named Alan Hornblum, who wrote several books, one of which was called Acres of Skin, uh, revealed that, and he did an investigation himself, he revealed that uh, many of the gentlemen at Holmesburg were coaxed into these so-called cosmetic experiments, but were given LSD, were given drugs, and it actually turned out to be a brainwashing mind control experiment by our government. And these experiments uh, were kind of half-assed apologized for by Bill Clinton in 1995. And he used the... Um, the Tuskegee syphilis experiments as the forefront of this, like it was some kind of, uh, you know, social uh, stand against uh, uh, something that was racist. But really what it was, was that these experiments in many forms were happening all over the place to all sorts of people. And he wasn't admitting the whole spectrum. And so if you do your research, you can find bits and pieces of this. And that opens up a whole new perspective on the people in charge who the hell are these people? How do they get in charge? And what are we doing right now? How, why are we putting up with this? You know, the, the, these things, and they always pass the buck. So whenever they get caught, like Bill Clinton was saying, it was very un-American for them to do that. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? It was our government that was doing it, or at least parts of it. So, and there shouldn't be rogue parts of our government that are out doing whatever they want, especially this kind of thing without checking in with the president or uh, there's something very fishy going on, obviously. And, um, I'd say if these things are possible, we are able to prove those, then Montauk, at least the mind control aspects of Montauk are very possible, which I believe are true now that we found some evidence. And if that's possible, you look at many other programs like the Stargate program where they were enhancing people's minds for remote viewing, psychic purposes. I think anything is possible. And so I'm very open to it, but I'm not someone who will declare it to be true until I find something. Otherwise we lose we lose everything and then everything becomes possible. Anyone can make up a story and all of a sudden we'll just believe them now. And I'm, I'm not in the business of doing that. I'm open to it. A financial record and dark files you uncovered or the, uh, the young man uncovered a financial record of billing, right? For food inventory. So talk about the digital record that was on file as far as catering coming into this facility. I'll, I'll tell you about that, but I'll tell you something that we couldn't get on the show because I had a witness that actually, I had the best information in regard to the funding, but this person wouldn't do it because they had a pension to lose with a, a huge company, um, a huge chemical company. But what Brian Minnick found 
Right, right. Or his claims to found because we didn't have anything to, to look at. We, we had his word. Or um, receipts from catering receipts. Now, they could have been a variety of things. Doesn't mean that there were experiments going on there. That there were catering receipts there. There were a lot of people that lived on the base. We don't know what that was for. But what I found, someone contacted me after I was on Coast to Coast AM. And uh, this person was legit completely. They worked for a huge chemical company. And right now they're retired. I can't say the person's name. Can't even, I, I can't say anything more than this person because I made a promise. But they worked for this enormous chemical company. And I, that's proven. I, I, I checked in on this person. I, I, I vetted this person. And they had no reason to lie to me. And at last minute, they had cold feet and just refused to even go in front of the camera disguised, voice and face. But it makes sense that an enormous company, let's say like DuPont, may have funded the Montauk project uh, because they were helping fund and develop military operations. And so this person explained that they were in a situation where they were appointed as secretary to a man who was brought in specifically for a short period of time. He was a mysterious guy. I know his name. I know he existed. Uh, and that this person overlooked documents that had both Brookhaven National Labs and Camp Hero Air Force Station on it. They were connected in the documents. They were funding things for these two facilities and they were uh, supplying experimental alloys to Camp Hero at the same time period that this thing happened. And also corroborates uh, with Nichols' story that the names on these documents uh, are, the, are some of the similar names that Nichols has been telling. So I truly believe, believe that Preston Nichols was there in, in some capacity. And I think along the way, there were other characters that hooked onto this thing and embellished parts of it perhaps and lied. And that's very, I think that's, from my observation after a decade, I think there's some people that jumped on this and just lied. And right. so you have to be very careful. You can't believe everybody that says they were there because they weren't. Yeah, and you were, have you been approached by quite a few people that claim to be there? Because when Bielek was on camera in the dark files, it was just, I'll just speak truthfully, I think most audiences would agree that it was very difficult to buy his story when he was, getting questioned by the news journalist that was just asking a very straightforward question to became very uncomfortable. Um, but I can see what you mean about Nichols. Nichols almost looks like he's been messed with and kind of is, uh, you know, has a private story that he's willing to tell you more of a show when the cameras go on. But yeah. Sure, I think you're referring to, uh, to Stuart Swerdlow, right? Not, not Nichols. Um, Bielik wasn't, Bielik passed away in the Oh, okay. No, yeah. Seven. The other name, right. It was the other name that yeah. just yeah, no, I don't know. I don't believe a word that guy says. So, I mean, this guy said he was at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So we start there and I'm out the door. The minute you tell me you were at the crucifixion of Christ, I'm going to say goodbye. <laughs> you know, but the thing was, the reason why I continued was that I wanted to see as a filmmaker, uh, it, it's my job is to record this thing right. and show it to you. I'm not here to prove anything, even with my Bigfoot film. I'm not here to prove that Bigfoot exists. I'm here to show you a perspective and allow you to think for yourself. So if it's an investigation, then I'm going to do the right thing. I think like, all right, we'll just talk about Bigfoot for a second. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure you all, some of you might be hunters. I don't know. But if you were to go look for this strange, elusive creature that probably has a heightened consciousness, would you 
just walk around and start banging on pots and pans and yell and make duck calls? The guy, the thing has a vantage point. It's going to see you coming from miles away and smell you too. I mean, they, you know, so there's certain things that like stealthy hunters know what to do. I've never seen that done in a show. They don't cover up their scent. They don't, they don't do yeah. anything. So um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So it's like, they're just certain things. When a liar really clearly, it screams that you're lying, especially when you have all this rehearsed stuff, you're just saying the same. And then you come out with these crazy claims like, everything from being at the crucifixion of Jesus to um, hanging out with cyclopses underneath the ocean. I, you know. well, I, should, I know it sounds crazy. We have some crazy stories in this audience, but the cyclops one is a pretty good one. Yeah, I've heard it all from these guys. So, and I, and I always asked them, I said, do you think maybe they, you just were given some really good shit? And right, right, right. <laughs> they were staging us. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but on top of that, above all things, I do believe that there were uh, covert experiments at Camp Hero, for sure. Right. I believe that 100%. And we have some evidence to back it up. And there'll, there'll probably be more. If you, could, if you could get that same geophysical equipment and put it around the perimeter of the tower, I, I guarantee that you're going to find something. Because every time we tried, and even I was just on Ancient Aliens, and part of the program was omitted because we were supposed to do another investigation. Montauk wouldn't grant us the permit. They wouldn't give uh, Prometheus Entertainment and History Channel the permit for me to come back because they knew we were going to come back and try again. And they wouldn't do it. So, yeah. You've got a name for yourself and you know it. Well, I put out the only movie on the subject and then we did the Dark Files and we got the permit from the same people for right. the Dark Files. So when you're applying for a permit, you have to put in a name so that, of course, they recognize who was coming back. Let me uh, open the floor here. Is there any question here that I can get from the audience for Christopher? Does anybody have a question at all? No, Francis? No, she doesn't. All right. Well, I have lots of questions here. In particular, one of the more dark matters that I want to discuss is something called loche or fear-based blood. Um, that's a conversation to be had probably on a podcast rather than here, but have you ever heard of this and you know where I'm going? No, please explain. Right, as far as uh, maybe what the globalists or some of the elites are into is a, a tincture of blood mixed with fear. So the adrenaline oh, race through a child. I've heard of that. Right. Adrenochrome is what it was referred to. Adrenochrome, yes. Yeah. yeah. So is any evidence, any stories about adrenochrome collection at this site or? You stories. Know, yeah. I, I heard a lot of stories. We'll be here all night if I tell you all the stories I heard. Uh, right. But uh, again, when I hear something, I, I, I don't know. When you hear something, do you immediately just believe it? Or Because for me, I, I hear it. I'm like, that's interesting. I need to look into it. I need to read something outside of Wikipedia or people who are just so enthusiastic to believe it right away. I want to get some kind of background on it. I want to know where adrenochrome was used where it was originated, who developed it, do we have any evidence? I, and I need to go through the whole provenance for me, just as a person, because let me explain. I, I, first of all, I've had some odd experiences myself, some really unexplainable things that have happened to me. Uh, but at the same time, there was a period of time in the 10 years that I was making uh, Montauk Chronicles that I got very paranoid, I got very sick. And uh, it was because of being immersed and saturated in this material every day. Day, every day, all day long, 
you know, I did everything on the film. You know, I edited the sets thousands of hours making the movie of me. Right. So uh, just be, being bombarded with the stuff and this way of thinking all day long can really get you ill, can make you ill. And so I don't want to ever go there again. And um, so I have to be careful about what I believe. If I'm going to believe that right away, just because you tell me or someone tells me, hey, man, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are just stealing kids and uh, making them really scared and then drinking their blood. And it's like, oh, man, I'm just letting in all this horrible stuff. And I'm not even putting up any barriers just to kind of regulate it or understand it or put it through a filter or just give myself a chance to understand this thing before I absorb it into my, my thought process. Right. So I'm just very careful about what I, I listen to. Like I'll, I'm open to hear it. But then again, why are, we, why are we talking about this? What is it for? What are we going to do about it? How are we going to protect ourselves? But I don't want to be afraid of something that's not coming anyway. I mean, I think a lot of, like I, I met people along the way who ended up really sick over this way of thinking in, in mental hospitals, losing their families, like no joke. I know a guy who um, had to do these techniques, you know, these mind control protection techniques every day, had to get up, had to sit in a copper pyramid, had to do all these exercises all day long. And I said, you know, why don't you just say, I don't care about this. I have other things I need to do, you know? This has no effect on me. And I, I can tell you that's exactly what I did because I was at, I, was, I felt I was under some kind of psychic warfare attack. Okay, I was convinced at one point because I was trying to reveal this information, I was under attack and I was getting very sick. And then there was one night I was like, you know, I can't just, I can't give this power anymore. I just can't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die if this keeps happening. And so one night I was just like, I just don't believe in this shit anymore. This is bullshit, it's not gonna happen. No one can do this to me, it's not possible. And I think almost immediately I felt like this relief, you know, and I needed that relief, you know, to me, it's not fun. See, some of these subject, some of the subject matters are fun because they're mysterious and I love mysteries. And that's why I got into this. The Montauk project is different. We're talking about the kidnapping, rape and murder of thousands of human subjects. That is not fun. There's nothing fun about it to me. And if it's true, we're in, we're in trouble. Because that means the people that are running things are doing that. And you have to reevaluate your entire existence if that's the case. So I'm I've just trying to tell you. I have a question to that first, but I want to go to Lisa with a question out here in the audience. Yes. I'm just curious about the study. Yes. Yeah. What does he believe? Okay. So out of all the paranormal things that you've investigated, what comes up as truth? What flows to the surface that, well, that's real. So where are we at with the truth and the paranormal, Christopher? Oh, in the well, I, I definitely believe that the, uh, that variations of Bigfoot, Sasquatch do exist. I have existed. People have truly seen them and experienced that. I believe in, an, in a, what some people call an afterlife. I believe in a clockwork and a design to things. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but you can call it God, or you can call it the universe or the force or whatever you want to call it, but it exists for sure. I'm convinced of that. I believe in, um, of course, alternate dimensions. And sometimes maybe they cross paths with us and we might see them. Uh, and I believe in extraterrestrial 
probably an infinite amount, an infinite amount of extraterrestrial creatures and beings that are out there for sure. Uh, I believe in psychic ability. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a few things. That's a, that's a pretty strong list there, yeah, yeah. I'm glad it was a long list and not a short list. Any other questions? Merlin, yes. We have Merlin and she's gonna answer, ask a question here. It could be a doozy. Go Merlin, go. Okay, so San Francisco, any mind control experiments, uh, current or previous, happening in San Francisco, or have you heard about another version of Montauk in California? Yeah, maybe the I, 80s, 70s. My, it's weird. There, mind control, I think there have been a few uh, agents of mind control. I believe Charles Manson was in MKUltra. Then he goes out, and what does he do? He finds a bunch of young girls and young people, very impressionable, and controls their minds with LSD. So that was in San Francisco, partially. Um, I, had a I have a stalker from Montauk Chronicles in the Dark Files. This person has not left me alone. I had to call the police. This person's in San Francisco, and they believe they're being bombarded and attacked by um, uh, government agents and uh, that they're a, a targeted individual. And I've been under their attack for over a year now. And um, Explain what they targeted individual is, Christopher, like gangsta. Well, it, in their perspective, I suppose that they believe that the government is individually targeting them for whatever reason to experiment with a technology that might manipulate their mind and then eventually use on the mass population. So I guess they need subjects and sometimes randomly, the government may choose one of us to mess with us. And so a lot of the times these people are diagnosed paranoid schizophrenics and they need to give it a name and they believe that it's, they're not paranoid schizophrenic, that this is actually happening because of some kind of tech from the government, which I think in some cases is quite true. Uh, when it comes to political uh, reasons, or there, I, I know that there was one politician that truly believes that it was happening to him, that it started happening out of the blue one day, he had no previous uh, experiences with mental illness, and that, you know, this was to jeopardize his progress in the future. And uh, he's spoken out about it. And this has right. happened, you know, and I wouldn't put it past the government to do stuff like that. Right. There's some pretty interesting YouTube channels, too, of people that do blogs or blogs every day. And what seems like paranoid schizophrenia gets really interesting when they seem to discover cloaking technology, you know, and they, they're starting to film these things here. So I, there's one guy in particular that's homeless living in his car, and all of a sudden he seems to be filming something that looks like two men in black you know, coming in and out of view that shouldn't be happening. Uh, but there really is a, an air of schizophrenia in most of these videos. But you have to wonder, like, is the schizophrenia being caused by the gang stalking or how is this happening? It, 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 in some cases, I think it could be induced by tech. 
and certainly it's possible. And that's I, what these guys were partially developing in a lot of these these government programs. But I just don't think that everybody who has uh, an issue or an illness is being controlled or messed with by the government. Right. I think mental illness is a real thing, and it, right. it happens for a variety of reasons. So just to immediately blame it on the government right away. And I'm not saying for all people, just, you know, some people may actually have a mental illness and blame it on the government and it might not be true. So right. we can't, we, we look with this stuff. I just feel like you truly need to keep your feet on the ground, you know, like you, you start to float away and then every big, everything becomes real. So one person can be telling a true tale of a real account and we want to know about it, but then another guy can come in and make up a, a, a complete and total fabricated story and everyone's going to buy that too. And I just think that's irresponsible. So. Now, what's coming up next for you, Christopher? You've mentioned that you have some things in the work that you could possibly at your studio where you're filming stuff. So what's down the pipeline? Yeah, I... Um, I guess I can't publicly name the network and the uh, name of the show yet, but I have my own series uh, and every episode would be something different in regard to the paranormal or mystery. And it's coming on one of the net known networks and uh, we're you know, closing the deal right now. And it's been in development for a little while since uh, the dark files. Okay. And I have a movie uh, with another network, a uh, little uh, TV movie that I wrote that's uh, based on some of my experiences with these, these mind control things. And uh, it's a fictional story that takes place in uh, the early 80s. And that was also greenlit. So those two things. And then independently, I'm working on this epic uh, Bigfoot movie, which is a completely different thing than anything you've ever seen on the subject. And respectfully, I think, uh, embraces a lot of the literature about the subject that I've read over the years. I'm not, um, it's not a documentary. It's, uh, you know, more along the lines of something that uh, the structure of like 2001 A Space Odyssey or something like that, that is non-traditional structure, but is, is epic on the subject matter. And I want to elevate the subject matter too, because I think a lot of people make fun of it. And uh, I think it's, it's one of our great mysteries that it should be re-explored. And it's been explored beautifully in a lot of books. Right. Uh, everything from when Roger met Patty to even Patterson's early book to um, Jeffrey Meldrum's book. You know, they're all different perspectives, but some great stuff in all of those books. Uh, but now's my turn and I, I want to have my own take on it. And uh, There's some decent documentaries. There was one called Bigfoot's Reflection. I thought that was a pretty nice, nice little documentary. But mostly the TV stuff um, is uh, not so good. Right. And movies are obviously all schlock, so. Yeah, we have a, a question here. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, do you have any, well, I don't want to make sure, do you suspect any of the uh, high-profile investigations of political figures or right. famous people have been like, I'm not sure if you Okay. So, quite often, I've heard of a number of times, that's when they don't remember what they did or whatever. Right. So he's talking about uh, political assassinations from people that maybe don't have a memory. Uh, we could also talk about school shootings where kids seem to don't have a memory of what's happening here. Talk a little bit about, you know, death. Yeah, Manchurian candidates and political deaths or even school shootings. Excellent topic to bring up. And I think it's directly connected. This is not just a rash of copycats. Uh, I believe it all goes hand in hand just from observing and thinking about it for this many years that think about it. So in the seventies and in the eighties, they're 
experimenting. They're getting these kids. They're trying things. They develop them over time, and now it's being applied. Uh, and the application could be, uh, could be a lot of these shootings. Why is this happening? I think we need to ask that question more. Yes, we certainly need to figure out how to stop it, but why is this happening so much? Why would someone just, why would this many people just end their own lives and end so many other lives just like that? And these mysterious shootings just randomly, why? Because they're mad? I just don't buy it. People, kids have picked on kids for years. There's, there's more to it than that. There's something interfering with their mind pattern, I think. And um, uh, it's a lot to look into. So I say go back and look at some of these mind control programs because I believe they're directly connected to the, the, the atrocities that are happening right now and, and so, so much and, and so frequently. Have you done any research, Christopher, on your own about Mandalay Bay and the connection of the two brothers and the possible mind control experiments with the shooter, Stephen Paddock? No, Mandalay Bay. What, when did, what is that? The Las Vegas shooting, the mass shooting from Mandalay oh, Bay. Oh, no, no, no further research than what I could read in, in the right. news on that particular on that particular incident. No, and, and again, it seems to be a new one every two weeks, every month. Right. They all blend in together, and I think collectively, there's something happening. Obviously, right. it's not just—I mean, there is nothing to gain. There, you know, usually when someone does something to get attention, mm -hmm. there's something to gain from it. There's some kind of future step in it. This is not just an attention-seeking act. Mm -hmm. There is something. There's a sickness, and a, it's a uniform sickness, and right. that sickness could be connected to mind control for sure. Right. Um, and these disturbing suicides, I don't, can't get into it too much in this environment, but the idea that these people at the height of their success are suddenly committing suicide, national names and whatnot, is fairly disturbing to watch happen over a pattern, it seems like. So I don't know if that's connected at all. It seems very odd to me, but uh, that's definitely a subject matter that I'd like to dig into myself, especially with red scarf issue that I just heard about, like, a red scarf is involved with a lot of these potential suicides. And I think they are potential. We're living in extraordinary times, but also very terrifying in the sense that, uh, you know, the things you're mentioning, you know, there's some kind of, there's a power struggle going on right now from, from what I think, what I can see. There's a, there's a, there's a power struggle. There's, there's, I think maybe the bad guys are losing their grip and so they're scrambling in so many ways. Even, you know, your, your television, the news and all of that stuff, that's all mind control. They were controlling our minds for years because they would tell us something and we would believe them and trust them. Now it's like, they're just doing, saying anything they can just to get us hooked or get us distracted or whatever. And we're noticing. And so that's scaring them. And there are other elements that are, that are shaking them up and scaring them. So I say, without me trying to influence you what, without saying specifics, because I could right now, but I don't want to, just pay attention to what's going on. Just, just look, look at the struggle, look at the manipulation tactics that happen on television constantly. All the major news stations are all trying to manipulate us, okay? Why are they manipulating us? What are they manipula manipulating us to think? Look at major uh, movies and all the social messages that are being put into these big blockbuster movies, you know, that are being forced upon us and, and ways of thinking and advertising and everything, it's all there. Uh, 
and that's in combination, I suppose, with uh, drugs they're selling us and maybe things that are that are happening. But why? Why? Why is this happening? Right. So, and um, just think critically. Why it's happening? We all have speculations, but what can you prove? And is there a pattern? And the pattern seems to be what you said is that you you just get disappeared, and uh, you know eventually these things seem to happen. Uh, in some sort of a pattern. But uh, any other questions out in the audience? No? Yeah, one in the back here. Yes, the quiet man with a beard. <laughs> quiet man. Uh, so a lot of the things that Christopher mentioned in the afterlife, uh, universe four, extraterrestrials, uh, and then the multiple dimensions, Bigfoot as well, uh, you can essentially say that all of those are facets of different dimensions and it's like a relative say, gateway to them for the dimension. So I keep talking about mind control, but uh, is it possible that the experiments are a, a way for the powers that need to uh, connect to these dimensions, either really communicators rather than you know, control something? Okay, did you hear that? You were shaking your head. Did you hear a lot of that? I did. Uh, yes. Well, I, I, don't, I can't confirm it because I don't have the, the data to prove it, but I believe that for sure that that's also a possibility because it's, it's so weird. Like even the weirdest stuff that Preston Nichols told me over the years, it's like you start to find these little things that back those up too. And that's where I was losing it. I was like, oh, how is this? I just don't even know what to think anymore. I don't know what to think. We live in the strangest times, but yeah, I think that what you said is quite possible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good question, actually. So there's almost a sense of a radio transmitter, like they're trying to access these children as frequency points. And even a, a previous guest, Alyssa, who is a, you know studies studying shaman or medicine woman type was talking about accessing an altered state and what she calls a spot of the pond in order to communicate with the others, right? These entry points and spots of the pond. So maybe Montauk is a spot of the pond, maybe it's on a ley line, maybe, you know, a lot of these buildings have these access or grid points. I don't know where you stand with that, but a lot of churches or government facilities are supposedly purposely built on these areas. And, and I've heard, I've heard all of this. And again, the reason why, I, when I, when I'm asked about this, I can't just repeat it because I don't know enough about it to just, right. I just don't want to repeat that information. I, I can only tell you what I found in my investigation. So that's what I found. Everything with the geophysical equipment, the people that I spoke to, the people I brought there. I, I feel like that's my job is to tell you what I found. Um, I've been told that, the, the, I mean, I was told that there was a ley line that goes directly from Stonehenge to Camp Hero. What does that mean to me? I don't know. I don't have anything to back that up. I don't, I don't know yet, but I, that's what one gentleman told me. And yeah. he is actually somebody who became so obsessed with the subject matter, he ended up uh, in sick in a, in a mental institution. Oh. I watched this man, a friend of mine, and he really got sick over the years. And, uh, yeah. Maybe he was sick already. I don't know. <laughs> well, I appreciate you spending an hour with us, Christopher. I'm glad we didn't have any technical glitches. If people want to get in touch with you and tell you their own personal story, is that something you encourage? Of course. You can email me from my website at montauchronicles.com, or you can find me on Facebook or wherever and just say hi. I'll, I'll do my best to get back soon. Okay. 
Well, I appreciate you spending an afternoon with us on a Sunday here. It's hot as Hades in this place, and this crowd is uh, spending the, a good portion of their day doing it here, so I appreciate it. Everybody give Christopher a big round of applause. Well, that's a lot to digest. That was our first, I guess, what you would call it, real live feed that we had done for our live events out of the Accent Fiddle in Cottage Grove, Oregon. And uh, Christopher had agreed to do that months in advance and held to his word. So I was super excited to get him. And again, check out his documentary, The Montauk Chronicles. I believe you can still find it out there on the interweb. And I know he's working on a few new things, including a Sasquatch documentary and um, another TV series, I believe. Uh, So stay tuned for more work for him in 2019 and 2020. All right, that'll do it for us for this episode. Again, go to strangebrow.com. Check out our ticket sales that we have for our three events coming up in 2019. And as always, you can go on there and like, share, uh, find out uh, more about us, and email me if you'd like to be a guest on the show or have guest ideas. You can do that at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. That's strangebrow, B-R-A-U, radio, at gmail.com. All right, as we say, we'll see you in the trees.